Well, welcome everybody, welcome to church. It is so good to see so many faces. Woohoo! There's been weeks where it's just me and a camera. Trust me, this is exciting. Could contain myself. Uh, great word there, honey, great word. Speaking over the church. I love it when we speak over the church, what we feel the Lord is saying. And um, for centuries and centuries, uh, millennia, that has been a way it happened. And we, when you receive the word of the Lord, it transforms your life. Truth comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. Amen. Amen. Well, it's great to have you here. Thank you for coming and welcome everyone from Cambodia. On, I hope you can understand me. Um, but I just want to take this moment to honour Uton and Lekena, who have been heading it up pretty well on their own over there. For the last two years, I want to say you're a man and a woman of God and you have done incredible. And on behalf of the Song Nation, we honour you and we say well done, good and faithful servants. Yeah. And also people in interstate and people on holidays and people with sick children or sick themselves have stayed at home. Welcome. So glad. We pray you feel part of what's happening in here as well um, because God is with you anyway. The Holy Spirit's with you. And we pray that one day you're going to be sitting here with us and enjoying it as well. Amen. Well, the start of every year, um, I'm very optimistic every year. Often I'm like the Energizer Bunny. Excited, just excited, just excited, you know. And sometimes I don't even really know why I'm so excited. Just I'm excited because it's a new year, right? This year's a little bit different. I'm very optimistic, but it's with a bit of a weight. I'm very sober on this one. Not that I get drunk or anything, but I'm, I'm very sober. And it's a somber feeling of what I believe God wants to say on this, uh, this Vision Sunday for our church. I feel like it's heavy. I feel like there's something significant about the word I believe God's given us. Amen. But first of all, what I'd like to do is I'd like to honour our board. Um, I answer to our board. I'm one of the board members. I'd like our board members to stand up. Marcus Claxton. Is, is Dave here? Dave... Dave Smitherman over there. We've got Anne Millichamp. She's up the back making sure it's all going well. It's fantastic. And also we've got two ex-fischio members. Um, Bruce Gavin, Pastor Bruce Gavin. Where are you, Bruce? There he is. Wow. Good to see you. And um, I've also asked um, Nathan Vincent to join us on the board as ex-fischio this year. Um, just to really, he's got a great um, skill set that he really can input into that. So he's up the back there. Welcome, Nathan, upon that. Can we give these people a hand? Thank you, everyone. We have really worked together at, at um, doing whatever we can, probably through one of the strangest times the church has ever been through. And I want to honour these people for their support and their wisdom and every decision that we've made. And I've, I think they've been great decisions. And I just wanted you to know who's doing that. <laughs> and um, they're looking after everything in the way of our business, in the way of keeping things functioning the way they should be. So well done, well done. This morning, I wanna share with you what I believe God is saying to our church for 2022. Every year I do this, I like to name the year. Last year I named it, you know, um, behold all things are new. And it was a very interesting year, 2021. You know, I think in 2020, we're a bit shocked, but we didn't think it was here to stay. We didn't think 2021, I think we approached 2021 very different to what we approached 2020. And um, I believe the Lord spoke to me last year and said, it's all new. I don't think it was just a passing phase, this thing called COVID world pandemic. 
I don't think it was what the, the change that generates out of that is not going to just pass on by and then we just return to normal. And I think 2021 revealed that. And I believe what God said to us was, I'm doing something new. I'm doing something new here. And I believe what he was doing was positioning us and preparing us for what's ahead. And I think he did. We preached about this new kingdom that Jesus brought, which is incredible how we live in the kingdom. We talked about a kingdom of priests, that his church is not a kingdom of servants, it's a kingdom of priests, where everyone's a minister. That's his intention. We talked about this new me and this new church and what it looks like. And what he was doing, I believe, was preparing us for his mission what he wants and maybe this year he's going to utilize what he's been preparing us for while he continues to prepare us as well you know um i want to speak a word over us and i believe it's prophetic and i believe if you were to receive it i honestly believe you'll get a great revelation out of it as well so today you might say well that's a bit crazy that's a bit heavy that's a bit un unusual that's fine but I want you to have an open heart. And then I want you to seek God for yours. What's your word over this year? I like to name the year. This is the year for us. Amen? So I'm going to be speaking out of 1 Samuel chapter 17, Old Testament. It's a story of David and Goliath. And um, many of us would have heard that story, or at least heard of it. If you haven't, you need to read it. It's a really cool story. It's not just a kid's story. That's really cool. You see, David was just about a 14-year-old boy, they, they estimate. They call him a ruddy lad. And many believe you either have red cheeks or red hair. Cool. I, I like both those. He was anointed king, the, the successor, as a boy, but he had not yet become the king. He was just a boy, shepherd boy. He had seven older brothers, and he was the one out looking after the sheep. Anyway, we come to chapter 17, and Israel's at war with Philist the Philistines and it had, hit a, it had hit a real bad situation where Israel was stuck, there was a, um, a, 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 a stalemate if you like and um, Israel was not far from where David was and um, the, the armies of the Lord and, and they, they, um, the Philistines had this champion called Goliath, they estimate that he was about nine foot tall. Most ceilings at home are eight foot tall, so he was another 30 centimetres higher than that. He wouldn't have fit in most people's living rooms. And he would come out and he would belittle the armies of God, Israel. He would joke with them, come on, they had an arrangement. If you come down and fight Goliath, and if you beat him, all the Philistines will serve you. But if we win, you will serve us. Great deal, right? Great deal. Well, what it did to the armies of the Lord, it freaked them out. We'll just wait a bit. That's fine. I've got to tell you, I loved having the kids in church this morning. I didn't realise how much I missed it. And if you're visiting with us, I love kids being in church. I don't care if they're running around and dancing because they're enjoying church. And you know what? If they grow up enjoying being around believers, it's a really good thing. Yeah. Anyway, we're back to David Goliath. And there's Goliath bantering, and Israel is scared. Israel's sitting back, they don't know what to do. I think they've forgotten who they are. I do. Anyway, David's out looking after the sheep, and his dad calls him, hey mate, I've got this bread and cheese, can you take it up to the army and see how your three brothers who are in the army, see how they're going. So David's sending off your 14-year-old son to 
report on the war, you know. He goes up there and he looks around and uh, he hears Goliath belittling God's people and God. He's probably thinking to himself, what's this clown doing? Who's he? Then he looks around and he sees all of Israel's army not doing anything. Perhaps they were scared. Maybe they're playing chess or something. I don't know. Maybe they were just in confusion, but no one was doing anything. Then David hears someone saying, do you know what Saul the king will do for the guy who takes out Goliath? David listens. That's interesting. He gets riches, all sorts of riches. He gets to live tax-free and he's going to give the hand of his daughter to him in marriage. Now he's a 14-year-old boy. That gets his attention. Whoa. He actually says, what will happen to the guy who takes out this clown? He says this. Right at that point, David must have showed a lot of excitement. I reckon, in my opinion, he didn't forget who God is and who Israel is. He didn't forget who the people of God are and the armies of God. He hadn't forgotten. And he says, who's going to take this guy out? Who's going to do it? His brother, big brother turns around to him and says, what are you doing here? I'll read it. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 28. Why did you come down here, he says to David? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and your insolence of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. And David's going, what? Verse 29, what have I done now? I love these next five words. Isn't there a cause? Is there not a cause? You see, David remembered who he was. He remembered who God was. He remembered God's word. He remembered that this guy out there was the one who should not be doing what he's doing. He shouldn't be stopping the armies of Israel. Is there not a cause? Those five words changed everything. They changed everything. Here we are at the beginning of 2022 and I've been meditating all last year, the end of last year, just meditating and praying, Lord, what's 2022 got for our church? A strong nation. And I remember once I was just sitting in my office just praying and just meditating and I felt the Lord say to me through the Spirit. He asked me this question, Rick, will my church lead? Will they take the lead? Now I'm assuming he's asking that of all the churches. Maybe some, but I felt in my heart he's definitely asking strong nation church. Will you lead? Will you take the lead? You see, right now, someone has to take the lead. Someone has to. In my lifetime, there has never been such a crisis globally as what there is right now. Someone has to take the lead. I thought about it. The church is the best position to do it. Globally, it is. I don't think the government can do it because they're compromised. You see, we, the public, have turned elections into a popularity contest, not a contest of policies. It's evident by having seven prime ministers in less than 10 years. Why? Because that guy's not popular anymore. Let's get rid of him. 
And it's very rare do you see anyone in any political party make a very hard decision which is right, which is unpopular. You don't see that anymore. And I don't blame them, I blame the public, us. We, we produce this. Because we just hear sound bites on the media and say, oh, that guy's not popular anymore. We need to get rid of him. We don't understand what's behind the policy. We can't, we can't wait for the government to rise up and say, I will save you, nor is that their job. The government's job is to serve us, not to lead us. They are to represent us, not to lead us. I'm not having a go at the government. That's just the way democracy works. I don't think Australia's corporate sector can help either. I don't think they can. Oh, they can help, but I don't think they can lead. They're compromised. Because I don't know of any company that will use their profits for helping people come out of this pandemic. In fact, we've had companies making more profits than they've ever made. I don't think the corporate world can do it. They can help, as can government, absolutely. I don't think the church service can do it. Us gathering here, I love gathering here. I love coming together to worship God. I love coming to preach the word. I love to hear the word. I sort of even love it more when I'm not preaching and I'm hearing it. But I don't think that's going to lead people out of this issue in the world. I don't think it can. It's compromised. Because it's all dependent on venue. It's all dependent on, you know, people coming. It's restricted by how many. Thank God for our stream team and the ability to stream. But it's still restricted how many people will be able to be helped. I don't think the media can help us. I don't think it can lead. It's compromised. Social media is very compromised. Someone's got to take the lead. Therefore, the church can't just sit back and, in times of uncertainty and wait. We can't do this. We can't just sit back. Do you know what? The church cannot pretend to sit back and say, let's just be safe. It is not her way. She has never been that way through history. It is not the job's white nature to be safe. Yeah. You know, I was watching a documentary on the Dark Ages just recently, a great documentary about what happened through the Dark Ages. And this guy, it's not a Christian program, turns around and says, the only shining light we can see in the Dark Ages was the church. The church goes into dark, dangerous places all the time. They're on the front line all the time. Chaplains signing up for the front lines when they don't even have to go to the front lines, they go there anyway. Into the darkest places on earth, you will find missionaries planting the church and it's dangerous as. Just have a read of the first century Christians in the book of Acts. They didn't live safe. It is not her style. But I fear that the Western church has taken the safe route. Thinking, oh, we've just got to hunger down and be safe. That's not her way. I'm not talking about being reckless. I'm talking about getting up and leading. You know what? In our time, the Western church has never been tested on this. But we're being tested now. What are we going to do about it? Will we lead or will we take the safe option and just look after ourselves? No. The church has never been known for looking after herself. 
She's always risen up and led. And I don't want to be any different. Just helping people practically is not going to be enough. We'll continue to do that. I think we've increased it over the last two years, and so we should, because more people need help, and we're going to give practical help more and more. We just opened up our food care again the other day from the flood, and it's just amazing. But you know what? We'll continue to do that, but it's not going to lead. We need to see the body of Christ rise up and lead. Yeah. We do that. Maybe, just maybe. We might see the kingdom of heaven spread like crazy. We might see people find how much God loves them. Amen? We must take the lead. I look at the world right now and like David, I say, is there not a cause? Those five words changed him. He was just a little boy. And one day Samuel, the prophet, turns up and pours oil all over him. Says, you're the king. Didn't pick his older brothers. Picked him. You're the king. Didn't know what that meant. He was made the leader then, but it wasn't until he said these words that everything kicked into place. And I'm wondering whether they're trigger words. I'm wondering when you get there, is there not a cause in your heart? Something happens to you. You see, Israel had had this really insecure, self-absorbed king called Saul. Good looking, taller than anyone else, insecure and self-absorbed. And Israel was in a bad place. No wonder the Philistines were taking him out. But then this little boy comes along. Others thought he was proud or insolent. Isn't there a cause? Is there not a cause we can live for? And if you haven't read the story before, read it. He goes and takes him out with no armour, anything else, a sling, boom, into the head, takes him out, cuts his head off. David wins and Israel wins. Read it. Great story. Today I'm asking you, will you join me? Someone's got to lead. Strong Nation Church, I need you to come with me and let's lead. Let's lead together. I want us to redefine leadership. I want us to redefine what it means to lead. I want us to uh, take leadership in a different way because, let's face it, we've all got horror leadership stories. I think leadership has been abused in places, in the churches, in the history it has. I know some people say, oh, you want me to lead? No way, I've been there, done that, I'm out. Well, I'm going to ask you to please reconsider that and join me. We're going to redefine leadership. Some of you guys saying, well, I'm not a leader. Well, you're just who we need. Because if we're redefining it, it's going to be much easier with people who don't think they're leaders. Come on, let's put the past behind us. Let's let God heal that. And let's move forward and let's start creating what God really intended for his church and how it's meant to lead. Amen? Amen. It's all about the cause. Just some things about what I believe, practical things I believe as a church we need to establish and re-establish and really work on practically in order to set this up. First of all, we have a thing called an oikos. We're going to have things up on the screen. Oikos. Oikos is a Greek word. It's not a yogurt. It means household. It means family gathering or the family that gathers. It's more than just your blood relatives. It's the people you hang out with. It's your mates. It's, it's your acquaintances. It's your neighbours. 
And we set this up years ago, but I feel like it's never been more needed than what it is right now. And what it is, it's a group of maybe 20, 30, 40 people gathering with kids, all different ages, sometimes primarily around a table, eating, having a good time, connecting. And what it is, you've got a group of people, leaders, a couple who are trained in leadership, and they take on the role, a job description of spiritual parents. And their job is to help you walk your spiritual journey. Their job is to care for you. You know, great examples of that, Blinder and Les Clark, incredible Oikos leaders in our church. They, they, they're always caring for people. I, you know, someone has something happen to them, I hear about it, and I thought, oh, we need to do something. Don't worry, Lance and Blinder have got it covered. Because they're, they're with them, they're living life with them. And I want to say thank you for doing that, and there's many others as well who do that. Spiritual parents, mature Christians who are, who are watching out for others, and it costs them. It does. That's okay. They're prepared to pay a price because her church, his church, sorry, God's church, has no problem paying price. Why? Because there's a cause. The oikos, connecting to it, that's where you connect. Listen, listen, it's so important right now. All around the world, the church has been disconnected in so many places. It must come together. Community is so important. It's not enough just to watch live stream and sit at home and think that's church. It's not. You're watching church. You're not being church. And I thank God for it. I think it's fantastic and it can serve the church. But don't think that sitting on your lounge in your jammers with a coffee watching us worship God is what you should be doing. I want us to gather. Gather around meals. Gather in parks. Watch the kids play together. Encourage one another. You know, the Hebrews writer in Hebrews 10 actually said, do not forsake meeting together. Don't stop meeting together. It's important that you keep meeting together. Why? So that you can encourage one another. And you need encouragement. This is the place for it. You want your believing friends to encourage you. You want to be cared for. If you've been going through a dark place, that's where you need to be, in an oikos, a gathering. They meet all different times, all different places. We also have a thing called huddles. Huddles are smaller groups. Often in the oikos, there's two or three huddles. And those huddles meet together. It's much smaller, maybe two or three people, four people, five people. And their whole design is to help you in your spiritual walk in the growth way. Maybe you need to work on your prayer or learn how to pray or how to read your Bible. Maybe you want to learn more about leadership or maybe you want to learn more about what the Bible says about it. Maybe there's situations about finance and, and you need to learn how to control your finances better. All that sort of thing. It happens in huddles. And they're not every week. Maybe they might be every week for five weeks or ten weeks, but they're so important. And they're run by people we, we've named them mentors. They, they mentor people in their journey. And I want you to grow spiritually. I want you to have accountability over your life. Do you understand? Accountability, the church cannot take that from you. It's something you must give if you want it. It's high accountability in a heart. Why? Because we want to see you grow. Do you know how to read your Bible? Do you know how to share your faith? Do you know what God has for you? Do you know who you are? In the huddle, you learn all that. Amen? We also have a thing we're introducing. We introduced last year, but lockdown sort of stopped it. Thing called First Sundays. 
And this is what I want to do this year. This is one of them. This is the first Sunday of February. And we've got a big gathering. And we had a great time of worship. And the kids had a great time. We've got a great program for the kids happening. I want to do that, all that, on the first Sunday of every month. Reason why just the first Sunday. I want to give room for Oikos leaders to say, why don't we have brunch on a Sunday morning? and gather our oikos together to encourage one another around the table. And we have very full lives, many of us. Well, your pastor's saying, why don't you do that on a Sunday morning? Maybe you watch the live stream. Maybe Marcus and Claire, you have a word to share. Up to you. I trust you. I think you've got good theology. Sort of, except for the Parramatta thing. (laughs) Eels thing, that, that sort of bit you last year, didn't it? Let's talk football. What if we do that? Don't have to. Maybe, you know, there's things happening in your life and I want you to relax and, and know that your pastor's not wondering where you are every Sunday. Where are you? Where are you? Because to me, attendance is just a secondary third thing. For me, what's more important is that you are connected to the body of Christ and that you're being spiritually fed and that you're walking a journey which is actually blessing you and enabling you to grow as a Christian. That's what I'm after. If that's what it requires, you've got three weeks a month, do that. Maybe let's all come to church because we're going to be here for the live stream. We're going to, so it's always going to be groups of people here. Maybe you do that. And then afterwards you go to lunch together on that week. Gathering. Maybe there's a house down the road and the house is just devastated like it was years ago in the fires. Rather than coming to the church that week, why don't you be the church and help that person get their garden fixed? Why? Because we love them and there's a cause. I want, you to, I want to establish this, but on the first Sunday of every month, I'm going to ask you, everyone, to make coming to the house of God to honour him a priority. I'm going to ask you to do that. We're going to put on a great kids program for you. And I'm going to believe that God moves powerfully. The Holy Spirit moves powerfully. We worship God as much as we can. But I'm going to ask you to gather in our three locations here in Australia. We're believing that we're going to have one in the mountains and believing we're going to have one in Penrith. Can I say to you, we've been looking everywhere and doors just aren't opening. Judah this week went to two different places, three different places. One of them, they were very rude to us. Um, A school up there was very, very rude to us. And um, I thought, whoa, okay. We're just asking. And um, I don't know, maybe God's closing doors. I don't know. Maybe he's doing something different. I want to be good with that. We're going to continue looking. I've not prayed for any specific thing more than I've prayed for that. It's up to him. We'll continue looking. But we'll find a place. We'll get the first Sundays happening. If we have to, we'll just come here. School can't come stop us from meeting here. I don't think anyway. Who knows? First Sundays will be powerful. I'm going to ask you to honour God with that. I'm going to ask you not to book anything on those Sundays, but honour God with it. The first Sunday of every month, we come together as his church to honour him. Amen? You know what? Teach your kids that. Teach your kids that. Powerful, powerful thing. Also, our giving. You know, um, tithing is awesome. Thank you. But I'm going to ask you to continue your tithing because it honours God. I'm going to ask you to continue doing it because... I've seen it in my life. It helps me 
prioritise my life properly. Your finances are so important to every person. And if you're putting God first in that, it honours him. And I guarantee you, it opens up so much for you in the spiritual realm, practical realm too. So I'm going to ask you, if you don't tithe, give it a go. Test God. Test him on this. He said it, not me. Tithe, 10% of your increase. Just bring it in. I've got a belief that all of our ministry will be able to be paid by our tithes so that we're not having to spend it on other things. I'm praying that we'll have enough to be able to pay for ministries within our church. Of course, we're going to pay for electricity and things like that. Absolutely. But I want to be able to, more importantly, ensure that you're honouring God with your life. Amen? We also have seed giving. Seed giving. We get that out of the Bible. It talks about sowing seeds as a harvest. Giving is sowing seeds. It's above your tithes. It's more than your tithes. And I want to give an opportunity for people to sow seed. Why? Because the seed is what brings in the harvest. Whether it's the harvest of the kingdom or it's your harvest. The Bible says both. And I, I want to give you opportunities. And that goes towards things like making sure our building's kept up you know, with renovations and things or, or making sure something new is happening. That goes towards um, paying our debt that was over this building. 14 years ago, it was $3.2 million. Now it's under a million dollars. You know this grey hair? It came the first week I came past here and I thought, oh, okay, that's a big debt. Thank you. That's where the seed goes. But it also goes to things like helping people um, in the schools. We've got chaplains operating in schools and helping young people. I'll tell you now, chaplains have never been more needed than now. I want to get more. We're getting them trained. We're getting a few chaplains trained. I need more chaplains trained. We'll go in there. But not only just... In there, I want more chaplains in all the community, hospitals and things like that. Lindy's doing a great job as a chaplain. Fantastic, Lindy, well done. There she is. Her and Barb worked together to help some lady out the other day. Just incredible, love it. So that's where our C goes. C goes to the food care type things. C goes to helping people. C goes to whatever we need to so that you know, the kingdom can flourish, amen? <coughs> we also have frontiers which is a type of seed offering. But Frontiers is specifically for that on the Frontiers, i.e. Cambodia. We've got Deb Neal up there in Phnom Penh. We've got the churches happening in Cambodia. Um, we're about to officially, Jan, isn't it cool, officially now a launch, Strong Village. We've actually got it up and running now. Minset, you're a great man. He's over there in Cambodia. He'll be back here later on in the year, I think. And um, he's launching it. We've got a whole office operating over there now and we're going to be reaching into villages helping each village and I believe that maybe God might enable us to plant a church in every one of them Amen, Amen. So That's Frontiers, so it's seed giving but if you want to label it Frontiers it'll definitely go to that Okay But also in June we have our once off big seed offering You can give all that every week if you want to But we, in June we're going to do it again We're going to take up a big seed offering which is a faith offering we're just going to believe that we're going to be able to do a lot more with this seed offering. Amen? Cool. Also, finally, practically, community is important to us. And um, chaplaincy is one of those things. But I want us to start thinking of what I call hope initiatives. Right now, we've got a community which needs hope. And I want us to have creative ways in which we as the church can sow hope into our communities. 
Nothing back. We don't want anything back. We just want to give hope. And you're going to be hearing more about those in the future. And I'd like to see our Oikos groups go on mission together, family on mission, doing things together, helping people, shining light, speaking life, helping who we can. The church, that's how we show the leadership. Amen? Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? I see his church rising up in areas of workplaces, neighbourhoods, schools, families, where the Christians rise in leadership, servant leadership, leadership which helps people, leadership which draws people to light, leadership which gets people up and going. And there's never been more need for that than there is right now. I see it making wise decisions, having strong life patterns, walking in the favour of God. That's how we lead. All those things I've just mentioned before help us do that. So how would Jesus lead? How would he lead? How do we begin to lead? Where does it start? Well, today, just very quickly, I just want to quickly run through three things that I believe help us to begin to lead. As I was reading about David and contemplating on his life of David, I noticed some things about his life. How are we going to lead? So today I want to establish what it means to redefine leadership. I'm going to start it. Is that cool? First thing is this. When we lead, we lead from the heart, not the head. It's not a head thing. It's from the heart. And the way I want to articulate that, it's Holy Spirit-led. The Holy Spirit speaks to your inner person. It's not your head. It's not you just thinking up a great idea. It's not about strategy. It's about following the voice of the Holy Spirit and reacting to that. I'm watching a great Netflix series at the moment called Manifest. Anyone seen Manifest? It's about this aeroplane trip that was meant to be like overnight, but it took five years. But to them it was overnight. When they arrived, you've been missing for five and a half years. And it's crazy. And, but something happened to these passengers. But what's the most amazing thing that's happened to these passengers is that they keep hearing voices and having visions. And it's to help people. You must find this person. You must help them. Don't give up. Keep doing it. And they're, having the, and they're calling them callings. I actually think it's a Christian behind this because there's no swearing in the, in the shows, which is quite good. You know, nothing dodgy. There's no nudity, you know. But they have these callings where this voice speaks to them and saying, go and help that person. Don't give up. And they, they say, I've got to respond to the calling. I'm sitting there thinking, every Christian needs to watch this. God's calling. We've got to respond to it. That's responding from the heart. What's God speaking to your heart? Why is it important for people to walk with Holy Spirit? Because he's got things to tell you. He's got things to guide you in. He wants to give you wisdom. He wants to give you his ways. Don't ever think you're going to be smart enough to lead people out of pandemics. But you've got the heart to do it. We've got a God who can guide and direct us from the inner. Do you know, um, it's very interesting. David, you know, his response was not one of head. He's a 14-year-old boy taking on a nine-foot giant. His response was out of something in his heart. He says, who's this uncircumcised Philistine who says this to the, defies the armies of God? Who is this? Something in his heart motivated him. Something in his heart drove him. 
Interesting, Pastor Jesse spoke on Friday night about this passage, and he said about the whole uncircumcised Philistine thing. You know, we, we sort of go, <laughs> you know, uncircumcised. No, 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 for David, he understood something. The circumcision in those days was representative of the promises of God. That's what Israel banked on. It's the promises of God. What he was saying is, that guy hasn't got the promise of God, we do. That's what he's saying. Why are we listen to a guy who doesn't even have the promises of God on his life? He had something in his heart. Very interesting that Paul says the circumcision these days is a circumcision of the heart. He actually, you know, David was the one who wrote, the zeal of God consumes me, the zeal for God's house consumes me. He's the one who wrote that. It's in his heart. It was right there. He was the one, a few chapters before David and Goliath, was labelled the one after God's own heart. It's when Samuel was getting, Saul was getting rejected by Samuel and saying, but God is searching for a man who's after God's own heart and I found him. He had the heart of God. You might think you're not smart enough to lead. You're just the right person we need. Why? Because it's all about what God wants to do through your heart, the inner person. That's why Holy Spirit is so important. You know, it's got to be birthed in the heart. It's got to be led by the heart where the Holy Spirit dwells. We hear his voice. You know, I think about in history, around about 400 AD, around there, 350 AD. We had Constantine, Emperor Constantine. He was in trouble because he was about to face a war which he thought he was going to get defeated. Then he has his dream. That's Christ appearing to him saying, if you honour me, I'll, I'll defeat them. Roman Emperor. So he honours God. Paints, his, paints a cross on all of his stuff and said, we're going to honour Jesus as we do this. He wins the battle, but not only that, converts to Christianity and the whole Roman Empire is brought down because of it. All out of the heart. Not out of might, not out of power, but out of my spirit, says the Lord. Amen? Amen. This is what impacts people. It's when you get a holy discontentment. Something gets into your heart and, and God's sharing it with you. Act on it, church. When you pray, what gets to you? Is there a zeal that burns about something? Is there a holy discontentment that burns about something? What gets you? For me, I love seeing families flourish and I will do whatever it takes to help families flourish. Why? Because I have a zeal for it and I have a holy discontentment in my heart when I see families being damaged. I hate it. I can't help but think, but God's put that in my heart. So if God's put it in there, there's a good reason. It's a calling, right? Amen. We're motivated by love, not out of guilt. We're not compelled. It's not the way Christianity works. We're not doing it because we feel obliged. No, no, we do it. I remember once I was a young 18-year-old young man looking for his way in life and I remember, I remember looking into one lady's eyes. I, it wasn't as if I felt obliged to go and ask or talk to her. It was something in my heart. I just had to, you should look into my wife's eyes. Not too long. something about them it's incredible you see it captivated my heart didn't captivate my head probably could have been a lot wiser about the way I went around it 32 years on babe doing all right Proverbs 4 23 says this above all things 
Guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Everything you will lead flows from your heart. Jesus was talking to some Pharisees one day. He said this, you brood of vipers, how can you being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the hearts, the mouth speaks. Let's just flip that on its head a bit. Out of the abundance of the heart, the Christian leads. Out of the abundance of the heart, you can't contain it anymore because God is working on you. We work with the heart, not the head. Second thing is we lead, when we lead, we lead in faith, not fear. We don't lead, David wasn't fearful. Should have been, makes all sense. His big brothers are scared or nervous or you know, cautious. We don't lead that way, we lead with faith. Put simply, we believe. We believe in God. We believe that he is with us. We believe that his people will flourish. That's what we believe. We believe that God is with us. He's, our security is in him. Our faith is in God and not in any person. Our faith is only in God. That's how we lead. You see, the key is to respond to God's word. Peter in the boat. He's in the boat. They're freaking out a little bit. They're alone, just the disciples. Jesus is not there. And they're thinking, oh no, what are we going to do? All of a sudden they see someone, a ghost, walking on the water. It turns out it's Jesus, defying the laws of nature. I love what Peter says. Jesus, just say the word and I can do this. If you speak the word, I can come and walk on the water. Jesus says, come. He gets out of the boat and he begins to walk on the water, defying nature, defying natural law. Why? Because Jesus spoke the word. He spoke the faith. Our daughter, our house, our family, our, 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 my daughters-in-law are all a result of faith. Every one of them. Everything. I, I think about where we live. It's a result of faith. I could tell you journeys of this woman putting a picture on the fridge saying, in Jesus' name, all the time, this little girl, we want this little girl. For years, five years, believing faith, faith, faith. The obstacles that had to be overcome seemed to lay down. We held that little girl in our arms. Faith. It's faith. It's belief. It's all about faith. Everything God has done in our lives, honey, has been a result of faith. Because I know I'm not smart enough, that's why. You're good looking enough, though. No doubt about it. Yeah, with wisdom, we play safe. Uh, with wisdom, we walk forward, but we don't play safe. We, we play with fear, and it gets us in trouble. We play with faith, and we get the victory. Saul declined, I mean, David declined Saul's armor. Might not have seen the wisest thing, but he, in faith, didn't need it. He put it aside. I don't need that. That's yours, not mine. I'll go out there, and I'll take him out. Took the stones in his pocket, got him in the sling and said to him, I'm going to take you out today. He had faith. He stood there with faith. Faith is not comfortable, but it gives you access to God's comfort. Okay? Faith will always cost you, but it provide, he provides for all who believe. That's faith. Amen? 
Jesus actually said this, no one has ever sacrificed comfort for me. No, sorry, I'll read that again. No one who has sacrificed comfort for me will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age and in the age to come eternal life. He said it. Xavier, Francis Xavier, give up your small ambitions and come and change the world. That requires faith. Missionary to Japan saw Christianity flood into there. Powerful. We lead with our heart, not our head. We lead with faith, not fear. And the third thing is this. We lead with a cause, not an agenda. We lead with a cause. What was David's cause? Tax-free living, riches, the girl? Was it to protect Israel, defend God's name? All of the above, probably. What I do know is it wasn't an agenda, it was a cause. It wasn't what David could really benefit from it. It made him a great leader, but he didn't do it to become a great leader. I think the church has got to get really good at this and lose our agendas and become a cause-driven movement right across the planet. Let's look for cause. I don't want to be the church who's got an agenda to have people fill this building. I don't, my agenda is not to see people join a church. That can't be our agenda. Our, that, that's God's responsibility. Our heart, our cause is to shine light, speak life, meet need, help people. That's what we do. David rose up because he saw a cause. The modern Western day church got really smart. Modern day Western church got very smart. Very good at doing what it does. In fact, I don't know if anyone does a church service better than the Western church. But I don't think that's what counts. I really don't. And I think that's getting exposed right now throughout the world. I think it's getting exposed because people all over the world right now are evaluating, what have I been doing for the last 30 years? Going to church, singing a few songs and going home? and living my life, struggling through life, just holding my relationships together. I think it's time the church put aside an agenda and started looking for the cause. What is a cause we can live for? Well, I wanna break it down to more than just the church. What is your cause? What is God showing you? It's amazing how many obstacles just stand down when you're walking for a cause. When you're working for something which God has put in your heart, to lead with. Trust me. I just want you to know, I will not be counting how many people come to church anymore. Because that's not the number that counts. We should never have done that. I'll be wondering how many people have done something amazing through the week. How many people are shining light in their dark workplace. How many leant over the fence to see how their neighbour's doing and found a cause to live for? I'll be wondering how many are doing that. I'll be wondering how many people have decided to, you know, do something for their cul-de-sac and maybe, you know, outreach in some way to let people know that there's hope in this world. I'll be wondering that. It's about living for a cause. You know, Jesus... One day I had an encounter with a young girl at, around a well. She was pretty sarcastic to him. 
And he said, do you know I'm the Messiah? She says, no. Then he started prophesying over her. She wow. She comes to this beautiful time of salvation. Wow. Oh, I've just met the man who told me everything. He's the Messiah. He's the Christ. She's excited. She goes off. Disciples come back and said, Jesus, do you want some lunch? We've got, got you some lunch. I don't need any lunch. I'm good. I'm satisfied. And he says this. He goes, lift up your eyes and see. The harvest is plentiful. Lift up. It's all around. Just lift up Christian followers of Jesus. Just lift up your eyes and see it. It's everywhere. That's going to fulfill you. So I'm asking church, will you do that? Will you find that cause? Will you lift up your eyes? Later on, Jesus is spending all day praying for people, healing them and maybe counselling them, I don't know. He's just working all day and he's tired and weary. And he turns around to his disciples and he says, wow, he says, the harvest is so ready. But I need someone to come out and take the lead. Will you come and lead with me? Another translation actually says, the workers are few. Will you pray that the Lord will give us more workers? We need more workers. The harvest is plentiful. There's so many people. You know, this week I've spoken to about three different people who have noticed that atheist friends are starting to turn to a spirituality. I don't believe in God, they say, but I know there's a higher call, there's a higher purpose, there's a higher person. Well, technically not atheists now, are they? <laughs> three different people I spoke to this week have had that happen. The harvest is getting ready. The harvest is ready, people. What we need is a church to say, is there not a cause? We're going to try and get a building up in mountains. We're going to do that. We're going to try to get one in Penrith. We're going to do that. We're not going to stop doing it. But we're not going to wait until we get a building to find our cause. We're going to work around it. It's bricks and mortar. Yeah. The church is never a building. Can I be Pastor Rick just for a moment? Not just Preacher Rick. I'll talk to you. If you're sitting there thinking, well, I need to move on now because we don't have a place to meet. I need something for my kids. You've got it all wrong. You've got it all wrong. You are the best thing for your kids. Yeah. In fact, you have the responsibility of teaching them all this stuff. You're the one who sits down at the table and talks to them about David and Goliath. Yeah. You're the best one. Why are you hoping or thinking, oh, the church is not doing that? Can't even do it. Don't even have a building. Come on, Christian. We've got to grow up out of that one. Yeah. Things have changed all around the world. You can't just turn up the church and say, hey, you know, I went to church, done my thing, good on you. It doesn't work that way anymore. You can't just do that. That's why I think the oikos is so important that you get into a gathering of community who they know who you are. They know the issues you're facing. They know when you're having a good day and a bad day. They're the ones who can challenge you on something or lift you up when you need. They're the ones in the oikos. So why are you looking at a nice, comfortable church service on Sunday? It's not for you anyway. It's for God. It's honouring him. Amen? Okay, I'll step back. It's time, church, to be the church. I need you to lead with me. We're going to redefine leadership. 
We're not going to just say, oh, I'm not going to do what we did in the past. Of course, I don't want to do what I did in the past. I, <laughs> I sat down and read some of my sermons from back in the day. I thought, oh my goodness, what was I doing? Back in the youth day. <laughs> I'm going to ask you to do it. Lead with me. Redefine it. We don't lead from the head, we lead from the heart. We don't lead through fear, we lead through faith. We don't have an agenda, we have a cause. Amen? Would you join me? Come on, Dan, why don't you just come up and play behind us? I want to pray for people. Just Dan. Feels very heavy in here right now. It's okay. Welcome to my world for the last few weeks about this heaviness. I'm not asking something small, Strong Nation Church. I'm asking something big. Someone has to lead the world right now, and if it's not the church, we're in trouble. There's going to be more pandemics. I'm waiting for them to lock us down because of climate change. Could happen. Don't laugh. It could happen. But regardless of what happens, it doesn't affect the church if the church is doing what the church should do. I want to thank the stream team who have made church available to us in lounge rooms, bedrooms and what have you, riverbanks. Thank you. Faithfully serving two years now. Could not have done what we did without you. Thank you. I want to thank you for all you people who opened up your houses. Awesome. Thank you so much for doing that. I'm going to ask you to do it some more though because it matters. It matters. Jesus Christ came, purchased redemption for us. We are no longer guilty of sin. Oh, but Rick, I sinned last week. Yep, and he's already forgiven it. It has no power over you anymore. You're forgiven. You have no shame. That's the power of Jesus Christ, right? We live in that salvation. But he didn't stop there. He has a greater plan than just saving you. He, he wants to redeem the nations, all of them, including good old Australia. And he requires his church to do it. He commissioned his church to do it. And for centuries, I honour those who have gone before me. They've done so well for centuries. Incredible things through hard times, difficult times, even in our time right now in other countries. Do you know that over 6,000 Christians died for their belief, were murdered for their belief last year? 2021. I honour them. Over 6,000 of them in our modern world. Beheaded. Boiling water poured down their throats. Had their children killed. Happened all over the world in our time. The church must rise up out of our comfortable situations. <laughs> you ever wonder why you might have sent a comforter? He didn't send it to a comfortable church. He sent it to a church that has a cause burning within it. And that is, we must let people know there is a God who loves them. We must let them know that the God who loves them yearns for them and has made a way for them to know Him and love Him. That's our job. 
and for centuries they've done it. They've been put through the ringer. They've been tested. And this is our test right now. Will you come with me and redefine leadership as we go? I want to pray for you. If you're watching online or in the room and you don't know Jesus Christ, he's accessible to you right now. Just ask him to come into your life, forgive your sin and with faith, believe it. And he will come in. Then you'll do really well to tell someone you've done that because they will help you walk that journey really well. Let me pray for you right now. Father, I honour you and I love you and I worship you. You are amazing. Your name is great. You hold the entire university in your hands. Two trillion galaxies. Wow. But yet you know how many eyelashes are in my eyes. Wow. But Father, I think it's amazing that you would send your son to die for us and raise again out of that grave. I think it's great. But you'd also send your Holy Spirit to be not only with us or around us, but in us. Thank you. Holy Spirit, I ask you right now that you would take us as a church and show us the cause. Would you break our heart for what breaks yours? Would you show us what the Father sees through His eyes? And as a church, we say, Lord, we will follow you and we will lead this world. I pray that every church will do this. But for Strong Nation Church, Lord, we say, yeah, we will do this. I pray for every individual and every family here. I pray, Holy Spirit, even now, your, your manifest presence is more powerful than any word I can say. Your revelation, your dream, your vision is more powerful than anything I can conjure up. Would you just solidify whatever you need to right now in every person's life? Married couple, your marriage is your strength. Your family is powerful. Your family, it's only young maybe, but God has plans for it. You are to lead your family. And you do that by leading in the kingdom. And your children will be safe. Now, Father, show us the cause. I pray blessing and favour over every family represented here and online. I pray, Lord God, that we would see incredible things happen in people's lives, workplaces, neighbourhoods, schools and sports teams. I pray, Lord God, we would hear reports of the amazing things that you have done. And we will give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you. Remember, you have to love me, otherwise you don't go to heaven. Just telling you that. Sarcastically, jokingly, I'm telling you that. Don't write me a letter, write it to Bruce Gavin.
You're very special. Yeah, thanks. You are very special to be born and living at this stage. I think it's an honour. Let's do this, church. Amen. May the power and the glory of God be with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great weekend.